When it's time to seed grass, fertilize turf, or add a pop of color to your yard, Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered with unbeatable deals on lawn and garden essentials. Find value on everything you need in-store or online at farmandfleet.com. Because we know your barn smells like money. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Another wicked cold morning as we start off our Friday. Welcome in, everybody. Fabulous farm babe, Pam Youngke. So glad you're along with us. We'll get more weather details with Stu Muck, our ag meteorologist, in about 15 minutes. But, boy, I'll tell you, if you've got to be outside today, you're going to have to be very careful. We'll look for daytime highs today no better than 9 above with any wind at all. We've got dangerous wind chills out there. As far as Saturday's concerns, some cloudy skies, 28 the expected high. Sunday, sunshine and 15. Then Monday, we're back down in single digits as far as weather is concerned. Like I said, Stu brings you all the details coming up. Overlook Farms. Hello, sir. Do you have a minute to chat about the beef jerky of the month? A minute? I've got hours. What? Because Ingenia Herbicide from BASF has the lowest use rate, I covered more soybean acres more efficiently. If now's not a good time... Thanks to Ingenia Herbicide, I've got plenty of time. What flavors you got? Oh, we've got barbecue, jalapeno... Ingenia Herbicide is a U.S. EPA-restricted-use pesticide. Every application of Ingenia Herbicide requires the use of a pH-buffering adjuvant. Additional state restrictions may apply. Always read and follow label directions. The maple syrup season is still at least a couple of months away in Wisconsin. And we know we only tap about 3% of the maple trees in Wisconsin that can produce that good homemade syrup. Bob Osel here at the northern end of the world's longest barn. But Stephanie, the idea is to grow the industry in Wisconsin, isn't it? That's right. And a few hundred thousand dollars are coming to the Division of Extension from the USDA to grow the syrup industry. I'm Stephanie Hoff from the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, and I'm talking to project manager Jeremy Solon. He's also a producer himself. He explains the money will boost outreach and education efforts statewide. So Extension will be encouraging private landowners, farmers, and tribal communities to pick up maple sugaring. We're well positioned uh, to continue to grow. As, as you said, we have a, we have a rich you know, history. I mean, going back really thousands of years uh, when Native Americans started making uh, maple sugar um, and, you know, more recently uh, continued to, to produce maple syrup in, in increasing amounts. And right now we're, we're number four in the country, uh, ways behind Vermont, but really we have the forests and we have, you know, people who are interested in making maple syrup, we just, you know, need need more support and maybe more markets uh, to be able to do that. Yeah, and this project with the aim to grow the industry stems from a grant. So how much money did UW Extension get and where did it come from? So the funding, which is, you know, a little bit over $300,000, uh, came from the USDA. There's a specific program called the ACER Access and Development Program that provided the funding, and it's a three-year project uh, to really get Wisconsin off the ground in uh, supporting maple syrup producers at the statewide level uh, through W uh, Extension. What do you spend the money on? There's three main areas of focus uh, for the project. The first is really supporting sustainable forest practices for maple syrup producers, so that's developing resources, providing information to help the maple syrup producers manage their forests effectively, especially 
as climate changes, you know, we're seeing shifts in tree species and kind of being aware of that and how we uh, make sure that our forests are, are healthy moving forward is a big part of it. The second part of the project is supporting professional foresters. Uh, professional foresters obviously know, know how to manage forests, but they're not often uh, experienced or have the knowledge about maple syrup production, so it's helping them to understand how do you specifically uh, manage forests from that perspective and support uh, forest landowners who are interested in, in uh, tapping trees. And then the third part is to better understand the needs of tribal nations in Wisconsin related to maple syrup, um, building relationships there, and uh, looking forward to see how we can, uh, as extension, support them uh, long term. So, again, it's a lot of kind of foundational things, looking at what the needs are and how extension can support maple syrup producers in the future, uh, hoping to build a long-term program. So this is hopefully just the first step. As you're targeting these audiences, are you looking for more people to get into uh, syrup production? Yeah, that's definitely the goal. And we know that there are, there are in particular, a lot of farms uh, who have or that have small woodlots, woodlots as part of them that have the potential to earn some extra income by um, tapping their trees and either selling sap or syrup. So there, there's potential there. And then there's, you know, general interests, uh, even from backyard uh, syrup makers, uh, potentially expanding their operations. So it's kind of across the board looking at who, who might be able to get into making, making maple syrup as a, as a revenue generation standpoint, and then who can expand their practices, um, you know, looking at larger markets or uh, additional support that they might need to be able to do so. It sounds like land is the most expensive input. So if you already have the land, it sounds like you're more than halfway there. What yeah. else? What else do you need to become a syrup producer? Yeah, that is that is for sure the case, right? Access to land is a key part, and and that can come from ownership or it could come from leasing as well. Uh, there are tax benefits to tapping trees. You know, there there are landowners who have maple trees that are willing to lease their land uh, for that purpose. But besides that, really. Uh, you know, the, the interesting thing about maple syrup production is that you can really do it at any scale and with very simple tools and all the way up to very complex <laughs> tools and equipment. So really to start with, you need a drill, some way to get into the tree, uh, a spout of some sort and a bucket of some kind to collect sap. Uh, so it's pretty easy to get into and then uh, some way to cook the syrup down. And in a lot of cases, that just happens in a kettle over a fire outside. Um, but as you advance, the equipment gets more expensive. And so, uh, you know, longer term, we'll be looking at some of those needs of maple syrup producers and how do they expand their operations so that they can be more efficient in uh, cooking their syrup and, and producing a product. Um, but really, it's, yeah, once you have access to land, it's pretty simple from there, at least to get started. And you'll be leading a team of project collaborators and advisory board members to spread that information. But when do we start seeing action? I understand you guys will be doing an assessment. Yeah, so we'll kick off the kind of needs assessment, understanding what maple syrup producers need uh, really in January. We have uh, a team meeting coming up here in the next week, uh, forming the advisory committee and then jumping into and of those needs assessment uh, type activities in, in early 2022. And then we can expect to see, you know, resources developed and programming happen later in 2022 and uh, into the following couple of years. Um, 
and in the meantime, we're going to, you know, build communication tools, so like websites, social media, to be able to start sharing information that's already already available, but maybe packaged, packaged in different ways. So hopefully within the next couple of months, you'll be able to start seeing things coming out from us. More on that shortage, Jeremy. Was this something that yep. was anticipated because of yield, or is this have to do with increased demand from consumers? It is a little bit of both, but the East Coast in particular this past year had a pretty terrible production year. They were down in some cases, I saw uh, 70%. Fortunately, here in the Midwest, we were we had a pretty average year. Maybe uh, we were up a little bit uh, overall. So it's a combination of rising demand and uh, and poor production in some of the higher producing states. Uh, so it was it was anticipated in in some way. Uh, it was it's interesting how it kind of played out, right? So maple syrup is produced in the spring. So by the time we get to May, all of the syrup in the country and in in the, this case the world, really, it's Canada and and the United States uh, is done, right? That, so everything is everything is produced by the time we get to May. And really, we didn't see much happening from a market standpoint until uh, just recently, October, November. Um, and there wasn't a whole lot of talk. You know, maple syrup producers were talking that most likely there's going to be a bit of a shortage, uh, but there really wasn't any kind of national movement that anybody could see uh, from a market standpoint. Um and I think that that's because of a couple of things. One is a lot of maple syrup gets sold in the fall and over the holiday months. And so that uh, the kind of demand really kicks in uh, later in the year. Um, and then, obviously, you know, the as, as you go through the year, uh, supplies just get used up. So it's uh, it's the fall when kind of things come to a come to a head. Uh, within the industry. What about other areas in the supply chain, like packaging, glass bottles, or plastic jugs? That is a challenge, like with everything. Um, so plastic in particular is really challenging. As you know, most maple syrup producers use pipelines to transport sap from the tree to uh, where it's cooked. And uh, I've heard plastic uh, prices are up pretty substantially Smaller scale producers use plastic bags, and in some cases, I've heard those have, you know, climbed a couple hundred percent uh, in cost. Um, and then uh, jars and bottles and all those, whether plastic or glass, are are definitely a challenge. So, so yeah, all those things are kind of playing into it. Um, and I think we'll see we'll see the real kind of challenge of that play out over the next couple of months as maple syrup producers begin to gear up, you know, after the first of the year for the, for this coming season, that's where that will really come to a head. Uh, and we'll really see what the situation is from a supply side, but, but definitely a lot of anxiety there. A developing story as maple syrup producers gear up for the harvest this spring. That was Jeremy Solon with Division of Extension. He'll be leading this maple syrup expansion project. From the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Stephanie Haw. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Interest rates are always fluctuating, but the signs are currently pointing to them going up. We've had low interest rates for such a long time. Let's make sure that you get in on it before it's gone. 
Call today and I'll show you how much you can save. Educated Mortgage is where this way home. Call Dan, the Mortgage Man. NMLS number 222652. You know what makes car buying unpleasant? The pressure. The absolutely out of control, uncomfortable pressure. You know what causes that? Salespeople. Salespeople on a commission pushing you into a car they want to sell you. Bergstrom Automotive got rid of that. All of that. When you come into any Bergstrom Automotive location in Madison or Middleton, you're a guest. You'll be met by one of their advisors. Whether you pick the most expensive car on the lot or a discount used car, their advisors get paid the same. Bergstrom advisors know that the only thing they have to do is listen to you and help you find the right car. And if for some reason you don't find the perfect vehicle, they'll shake hands and hope you come back again. But pressure? No, never. The better way is at Bergstrom. BergstromAuto.com. Tom Spitz and David Fink of Settlers Bank. We make it easy to access the bankers you know. Bankers who listen to your goals. Then offer expert advice and solutions that simplify even the most complex financial matters. Virtually or in person, we're here when you need us. To learn more, stop by or visit SettlersWI.com. Settlers Bank. Timely decisions. People you know. Member FDIC Equal Housing Lender. Here we use a lot of F-words, food, fiber, and farming. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. And this morning, freezing. Yes, in case you have not uh, been exposed to the great outdoors yet this morning, prepare yourself and don't expect to spend a lot of time, hopefully, outside for uh, any length of time. Stumach Ag Meteorologist joining us with our Compure Financial Ag Weather Update. Yeah, this is spooky. What'd they say? 25 below zero possible with wind chills today? Yeah, yeah, that's certainly going to be the possibility, 25, maybe 30, a bit further in the west and north. But it's all different across the state, Pam. I'm seeing about 12 below at La Crosse. Believe it or not, here in Fond du Lac, it's four above. Well, really? Well? Yeah, it's warmer by the lake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that, that doesn't surprise me. But I think we're kind of all in the same kettle of fish for the rest of the weekend, aren't we? Oh, yeah, we are. It's it's a cold day, Ed. Don't think I'm joking about it. We're just fortunate to not be as cold here in the east, but it is a very cold day, way colder than it should be at this time of the year. Fortunately enough, the winds aren't very strong. Otherwise, it would be really chilly. That wind chill advisory is still in effect for until 9 a.m. for everybody except for Fond du Lac County and Winnebago County, anywhere uh, to the west of that, we are talking about that wind chill advisory till 9 a.m. and a very chilly start. Make sure you bundle up, limit the time outdoors, like Pam said. High pressure edging in, so it should overall stay dry today. There ought to be some sunshine, but a cold day in store. Fortunately enough, not very windy. Otherwise, it would be miserable, no doubt there. We do expect low pressure will try to build in here in the weekend. That system out in the northern Rockies, just a little light snow in Montana, northern Idaho, 
I expect as that low edges in that there will be a few more clouds, even later tonight, and certainly into the day Saturday, a very small possibility of some flurries or very, very light snow Saturday or on towards Saturday evening. But already as we look towards Sunday, a cool front's going to swing through and south winds will help to warm it up quickly for Saturday, but bring in some of that moisture while they turn back to the northwest even Saturday night and into Sunday. And that plummets us back into the cold air. Temperatures falling, getting colder right through Sunday and into Monday, back to single digit highs for Monday. So a cold start to the new week. But extended guidance really does indicate as we start looking on toward the 15th and later, 18th and 19th of January, we may very well be back into an above normal temperature pattern. Oh, I expect even toward later next week already, we'll be up into the 30s. That's above normal. Call it a January thaw if you will, maybe not. But we will get that little more mild break here for a while. I think that'll feel pretty good after the cold start we have today and what I expect will be a pretty cold Saturday night and Sunday, especially Sunday night with that cold air settling back in. It's going to feel nice here later in the week. I'll have our forecast details right after this. Start off the new year strong by participating in the Dairy Business Association's annual Dairy Strong Conference, January 19th and 20th at the Monona Terrace in Madison. Dairy Strong brings together a wide variety of management philosophies and allows you to to explore innovative ideas. At Dairy Strong, surround yourself with forward-thinking farmers and business owners. Register for the Dairy Business Association's annual Dairy Strong Conference at dairyforward.com. Virtual options are also available. Let's keep Dairy Strong. Get insurance from a company who knows Wisconsin and cares about your community. You may know Rural Mutual Insurance as the number one farm insurer, but did you know they also offer competitive home and auto rates? Visit RuralMutual.com to learn more about products and discounts. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Yeah, this morning you are the warm spot, Stu. Right now, Eau Claire, La Crosse, thank goodness, no wind. They're at 11 below. Madison, uh, 8 below on the thermometer, 18 below with that wind chill. So to your point, uh, it's got to get better from here, we hope. Well, yeah, it's not going to get a whole lot colder today, but it's not going to rise a whole lot either. So don't expect miracles. Uh, the wind chill advisory in effect until 9 a.m. for everybody except Fond du Lac. Our Compure Financial Ag Weather update. Well, it is for a sunny and cold day at best. Low double digits, 11 or 12 will be a high just about anywhere with northwest winds at 5 becoming south here later in the day. Wind chill still dropping down around 20 and 25 below this morning. Be careful. And then tonight, partly cloudy skies. We may bottom out around a single digits, 4 or 5 degrees. Those temps will rise before daybreak. We're going to see south winds overnight, 5 to 15. They may gust near 30, still pushing those wind chills down at 10 or 15 below. And then more partly sunny skies for Saturday and a mild day, a lot of upper 20s. That sounds really nice all of a sudden. South winds 5 to 15, though still gusting near 30, and there's just that small chance of a flurry or some very light snow, and otherwise by Sunday, back to sunshine, some mid and upper teens for highs, northwest winds at 5 to 15. By Monday, Pam, single digits, but we'll turn it around after that. Uh, Tie a knot and hang on, in other words. 
Well, yeah, that typical January roller coaster, up and down every other day. Yeah, that's right. Well, and, you know, at least we're not battling snow. I said we've got the Wisconsin Fair Convention going to Wisconsin Dells this weekend, so the temperatures make sense. At least we're not battling ice on the roads or, you know, heavy snow or something like that. Right, yeah, travel is fairly safe, but, you know, be careful careful. with that, too. Yeah, you got it. All right, buddy, talk to you on Monday. Have a good weekend. All right, take care. Stumach is our ag meteorologist with your Compure Financial Ag Weather Update. Compure Financial is your financial partner committed to agriculture in rural America. Visit Compure.com. And don't forget, we are talking more about the Wisconsin Fair Convention that's going to begin Sunday and run through basically Thursday night in Wisconsin Dells. Details on the way. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. The best soybeans in Wisconsin just got even better. The next generation of Enlist E3 soybeans are here and available now from Dairyland Seed. We're talking unique genetics, only available in Cordova brand products, an improved agronomic package, including better tolerance to white mold and more yield potential with proven performance in research trials. Make the better choice with next-gen Dairyland Seed brand Enlist E3 soybeans. Visit DairylandSeed.com or contact your local Wisconsin dealer to learn more. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle, and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe this spring with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at HeadsUpST.com. When we say we're the concrete producing company that contractors rely on, it's because they know we produce our own superior ready-mix products that endure the Wisconsin elements, and our family stands behind the long-lasting performance. Add one of our unique products to your next project. The concrete producing company, the contractors rely on advanced concrete. Producing concrete foundations to maintain concrete relationships. When someone is injured in a bad crash, they probably know that smart, experienced attorneys can help. But if they've never hired an attorney before, it can be easy to put it off until later, instead of calling right away to get the help they urgently need. Unfortunately, that delay can end up causing expensive losses on top of the harm someone has already suffered. At Clifford & Rihala, we understand how someone who has been injured in a crash may be confused or even scared to reach out for help. We understand how injuries, medical bills, and lost work can leave people exhausted and overwhelmed. Call Clifford and Rihala for a free consultation on your injury claim and work with experienced attorneys with a track record of success to help get you your maximum compensation. For relentless dedication to helping you and your family, choose Clifford and Rihala, hardworking, skilled attorneys fighting for you. For justice, myjustice.com. Tom Spitz and David Fink of Settlers Bank, where we know that managing your business is complicated. Our treasury management team offers high-tech solutions that simplify. Maximizing efficiency, optimizing cash flow, and reducing risk. Together, we'll achieve results that transform your business. To learn more, stop by or visit settlerswi.com. Settlers Bank, timely decisions, people you know. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. 
Escape the madness and hit the snowy, snowy slopes at Tyrol Basin. With Mother Nature and massive snow-making equipment on your side, all the runs are open with thousands of pounds of that champagne powder you just love to cut through. It's the perfect place for all levels of skiing and snowboarding. And perhaps you're not too sure about skis and snowboards. Well, Tyro Basin's got that covered. Grab your friends and check out the gigantic snow tubing hill and have an absolute blast this winter season. From the family-friendly snow tubing and beginner slope options to the more challenging runs for the highly experienced. It's all right here at Tyrol Basin. Change your winter experience forever. It's an exhilarating breath of fresh air. Escape the madness. Hit the snowy slopes and join the Tyrol Basin family. Just minutes from Madison near Mount Horeb. For details on hours and pricing, visit TyrolBasin.com. This looks like a car. Has tires. Headlights, a hood, windshield wipers. The doors look like car doors. Open like them, too. There's a front seat, back seat, steering wheel. 99.9% of the time, this would be a car. But it's not. This is a bedroom. Anita Washington's for five weeks. There are people like Anita all across Dane County. And because the need is there, so are we. This year, we'll provide Anita and other women, children, and men with nearly 20,000 nights of shelter. Just one part of more than $1.4 million in food, clothing, furniture, and other goods and services we provide. We're St. Vincent de Paul, helping our neighbors in need. Rob, you're no stranger to a hot take on Aaron Rodgers. When it comes to off-field issues and voting for players and their accolades and, you know, whatever, what they do, does going to Hawaii and absconding away with his fiance and friends and maybe doing some ayahuasca trip or maybe, uh, quote-unquote, lying to the media, does that, does that go into play of who should be MVP or not, Robbie? No, obviously not. I, 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 will, I will say on this topic evil you know i i don't want to bang a ton on hub no, well, you save that for us you save that for us and you don't know you take the high road we'll take the low right he, he 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 certainly made a mistake he he came out yesterday he owned that mistake um and and completely apologized and said his you know however he feels about rogers personally shouldn't be shouldn't come into play when when it comes to mvp voting he shouldn't have you know he shouldn't have put all that out there publicly before the vote took place uh, I mean, the, the, the guy made a mistake, and, and, he, and he owned it. Um, I will say this. The, the, the truth can lie somewhere in the middle, too. Um, hey, Aaron Rodgers is not Deshaun Watson, right? He's not Henry Ruggs. He, he, he hasn't done any of these things, you know, where he's been accused of, um, you know, whatever the charges are with Watson and 25 women, right, and, and Ruggs killing a guy when he – when he's driving his car 135 miles an hour or whatever it was, he's, he's not a bad guy like an Urban Meyer or something like that. But we've talked about this on the, on, on this show many, many times. Aaron Rodgers is certainly not beloved across the league as a guy. He's, he's condescending. He's smart. He's smarmy. He's snarky. He got a coach fired. Um, there would be a lot more teammates. I can promise you, Evo, that would take the Jermichael Finley, uh, Greg Jennings' path to, to ripping this guy if they hadn't seen what happened to Sir Michael Finley 
and uh, guys like Greg Jennings, where the fan base then absolutely turns on them and has the back of the star quarterback. I mean, Evo, there are times you and I don't love our family, right? But we don't we don't go a decade without talking to our family members, right? I mean, Aaron Rodgers is, you know, he's no angel as a guy. Let's let's not kid ourselves on this whatsoever. But again, none of that should matter. None of that should factor in when it comes to MVP vote. I, I think it's a three or four person race. Rogers is at the top of that race. Forget what you think about him as a guy. Forget the fact that he held the team hostage all summer and he lied about his immunization vaccination uh, card. You know whether he, you know whether he was or he wasn't. Um, none of that should matter. It, it, it should come down to the fact Green Bay is thirteen and three, has the number one seed in the NFC, and Rodgers' numbers are as good as they've ever been for the most part. So, um, you know, Hub made a mistake. He, he owned the mistake. But, but again, I, there can be a little bit of truth, Evo. Oh, oh I mean, Robbie, I mean, the, and, I, and, I do think, and I do think that's the case. The world today is it's like you're, you are either one way or the other way, and there's no in between, which is yep. the complete ass-backwards way of living life. So I know you and I don't abide by that, or Nelly either. It's like there's always gray area. But sometimes in sports talk radio, Robbie, uh, Robbie, and you know this, you got to bring the heat one way or the other, right? You just got to hey, just come I, guns I, I, blazing. Again, again, this is this is ninety nine point nine percent on hub. Now, <laughs> now I, I, I will say this: you know, if, if you thought Rogers was a jerk in the first place, if you thought he was, you know, the worst guy in football, and you listened to his press conference yesterday, and, and he just and he tore and he tore hub Woo! up and down. You probably didn't change your opinion on how you felt about Aaron Rodgers as a human being, <laughs> but um, but again, he he was putting a he was putting a weird situation in a weird spot, having to go out there and even talk about that in the first place yeah. due to the firestorm hub created. Yeah, uh, Robbie, how about a firestorm Sunday? Is there going to be one for the Green Bay Packers against the Detroit Lions at Ford Field? Are we going to be getting starters playing, or uh, we'll start with the starters first? Uh, starters going to be playing here uh, at noon come Sunday. They are, and then, you know, the only question eventually becomes, Evo, how long and at, at what point, do, you know, do they come out of the game? I mean, they're, they're going to treat this, especially with Rodgers, almost like you would have a, an exhibition game, you know, ten, five to ten years ago. And obviously Rodgers doesn't play anymore when it, when it comes to the exhibition season in, in August, but they're going to treat this like they would have with Rodgers, say, the exhibition season in, in 2010. He's probably going to go a quarter Maybe a quarter and a half, something like that. Evo, they're they're going to try to keep him sharp and 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 semi, um, you know, in sync with his guys heading to the postseason. Everybody remembers 2011 over there. Even the guys that weren't there, they've heard enough about it. Evo, and and just for your listeners who don't, an industry that feeds the world is definitely an industry worth talking about. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Ooh, it is a frigid Friday all across the state of Wisconsin. Wind chill advisories in effect for uh, quite a bit of the state. In fact, we could see wind chills at minus 25 as we roll through the day today. Nothing better than single digits as far as daytime highs. Tomorrow will warm up a little bit, so will we on Sunday. But then Monday, back down to single digits. It's my job, folks. I don't like it any better than you do. I'm Pam Yankee, by the way. Welcome in. On a finally Friday morning. So today is the seventh day of January, as that forecast basically alluded to. On this day back in 1927, the first transatlantic telephone service was established. It was a three-minute call between New York and London. 
At that time, it cost about $45 for that three-minute call. So if you took it to today's dollars, that would be about a $550 call from New York to London. Now, you know, this morning, there are probably people that cannot fathom paying for long distance. Those individual calls, right? But that's what it was back in 1927 with that first transatlantic telephone call. On this day in 1785, a hot air balloon crossed the English Channel, took two and a half hours to fly from Dover to France, and a French inventor covered it in a hot air balloon for the very first time. Happy birthday to actor Nicolas Cage. He is 58 years young. And happy anniversary to pop singer Pink. Her and her husband, Carrie Hart, are celebrating their anniversary this morning. And now you know. Well, we want you to know that there are a lot of folks pulling for rural Wisconsin. Now, I'm not just talking about farming communities. I'm talking about a lot of small towns that dot the state of Wisconsin and really help to make up our backbone. Stephanie Hoff found out about the Office of Rural Prosperity, a hidden gem within the Wisconsin Department of Economic Development. She had a chance to visit with the director of the Office of Prosperity, talk more about what they're hoping to accomplish. Steph? The new year brings a new resource for rural Wisconsinites. I'm Stephanie Hoff for the Midwest Farm Report. The Wisconsin Economic Development Corporation's Office of Rural Prosperity has launched RuralWI.com. The website serves as a hub for rural residents to find resources ranging from affordable housing to cultural programs. Office of Rural Prosperity Director Marcy West shares more. Well, we're really excited about the website because we heard from the people through the listening sessions for the the Governor's Blue Ribbon Commission on Rural Prosperity that they wanted a one-stop shop. They wanted a hub to go to um, where they could find resources that would assist rural Wisconsin. So what we've what we've done is pulled together as many of those resources as we can. Um, we have, you know, so much grant money coming out right now through federal and state programs, and we have a variety of agencies working on a variety of programs that we thought it was important to to do what the the commissioners heard and told us to do is is to put this all in one place that's easy to find and would hopefully give the the communities, the businesses, and the the leaders that the information that they need to assist their own community or work on projects within their community. What is there that's specific to the agriculture community? There's a variety. As you know, everything from broadband to housing to workforce impacts our agriculture community. Um, so we've we've paid attention to what Department of Agriculture is doing, what USDA and the Farm Service Agencies are doing, and providing those links so that um, folks can can see where those resources are and who to contact to learn more or to participate in any of the programs coming out. Um, we will be updating it regularly so that we can continue to share some of those success stories. Um, you know, specific to the egg community, we're, we're seeing a number of farms that are looking for, you know, how do you transition to the next generation or how do you diversify a farm uh, so that you can sell locally or sell to school food programs. 
Um, so those are the kind of things that we'll continue to upgrade on, on how others have made it work. Um, you know, like we've said, the rural communities are so good at problem solving and, and coming up with solutions that this is just one of those places where they can learn from others and, and hear the good news that's going on in the rural areas. That's Office of Rural Prosperity Director Marcy West with their new website, RuralWI.com. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Stephanie Hoff. Thanks, Stephanie. Wisconsin dairy farmers got a little good news. The December milk price for our Class 3 milk went up 33 cents compared to November to $18.36 a hundredweight. That works out to be about $1.56 per gallon at the farm gate. Talking a little bit more about what's happening with the markets, we're kind of as cold as the weather when it comes to corn, soybeans, and wheat this morning. March corn's unchanged in Chicago at 6.03 right now. March Soybeans are down a nickel at thirteen eighty two. March wheat is down seven cents at seven thirty nine. July wheat down another eight at seven forty a bushel currently. Boy, the dairy markets continued to impress. Yesterday in Chicago, barrel cheese was unchanged at one eighty seven and a quarter. Forty pound block cheese did drop a penny and a half to two oh five. But look at double A butter up three and a quarter cents on Thursday to two seventy four and a quarter per pound. February milk this morning down twelve currently. 2155 a hundredweight. Listen, now's a good time for me to remind you our Midwest Farm Report talk text line is still active. We may not be giving rainfall reports, but it's still an open line of conversation you can have directly with me, Stephanie, as well as Aaron. Remember that number? 877-301-FARM. That's 877-301-3276. Why don't you text me and let me know how it's going out there this morning. The weather is, of course, a challenge, but uh, there's other things going on. Let me know what's happening in your backyard. What questions do you have that we might help answer? That's part of why we've got the Midwest Farm Report talk text line. Again, that number, 877-301-3276. Well, just as sure as the thermometer drops, people from across the state will head to Wisconsin Dells for the Wisconsin Fair Association Convention. That starts on Sunday. We're talking about it next with the Executive Secretary and Treasurer of the Association, Jamie Butke. Stick around for that. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. collected a lifetime of jewelry. Some of it you'll never give up. Others, well, it can continue to be hidden away or you can repurpose it and bring it back to life with the help of William Thomas Custom Jewelry. The master designers at William Thomas Custom Jewelry will help you create that one-of-a-kind piece that's redesigned, updated, and uniquely you. Something you'll definitely want to show off the minute you put it on. William Thomas Custom Jewelry. Your inspiration, your custom jeweler. Escape the madness and hit the snowy, snowy slopes at Tyrol Basin. With Mother Nature and massive snow-making equipment on your side, all the runs are open with thousands of pounds of that champagne powder you just love to cut through. 
It's the perfect place for all levels of skiing and snowboarding. And perhaps you're not too sure about skis and snowboards. Well, Tyrol Basin's got that covered. Grab your friends and check out the gigantic snow tubing hill and have an absolute blast this winter season. From the family-friendly snow tubing and beginner slope options to the more challenging runs for the highly experienced. It's all right here at Tyrol Basin. Change your winter experience forever. It's an exhilarating breath of fresh air. Escape the madness. Hit the snowy slopes and join the Tyrol Basin family. Just minutes from Madison near Mount Horeb. For details on hours and pricing, visit TyrolBasin.com. Sows, cows, plows. Heck, anything connected to farming's on the menu here. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. You know, it never fails whenever our Wisconsin Fair Association annual convention is about to happen. Wisconsin weather turns frosty frigid, and that's exactly the case. Beginning on Sunday at the Chula Vista Resort in Wisconsin Dells, fair board members, enthusiasts, vendors, leaders from all across the state are going to head to Wisconsin Dells for their annual winter convention. And it's a big convention. It'll start on Sunday, conclude basically Thursday morning when they formally introduce our 2022 Fairest of the Fairs. Now, I'm going to be at the Chula Vista Resort as well as our assistant, Taylor Schaefer, covering all the details and bringing you daily updates all of next week. I had a chance to visit with Jamie Butkey, the executive secretary and treasurer of the Wisconsin Fair Association and the gal really behind all of the convention activities. And I asked her to recap for me the 2021 fair season and give us a little sense of some of the challenges that our county fairs have had to overcome since the pandemic began. I will say that the way the 2021 fair season happened, it in some ways was able to offset what didn't happen in 2020. So there were fairs that because of 2020 offered modified fairs and it cost them more money to host that modified fair, but still to let the youth exhibit. Um, And some of them are county run and some are their own ag society. So sometimes they got money from the county to help offset that. Otherwise they're like, nope, we have some money and savings. We're just going to make it through. And we hope that we get to come back in 2021 more successful. Uh, We kind of jokingly have said 2020 gave us lemons. And you can do with whatever those lemons that you need to do. And in 2021, they all made some version of lemonade that that worked for them. But for those that weren't able to have the fair, they shut that door because they said, we want to be here for the future. So, you know, more than half of our fairs um, didn't have any version of that fair. Um, So coming into 2021, they were like, yes, but we can't handle a second or a third year like that. So knowing that the people came through the gates and bought the food and did all of that, um, it really helped. But the other part that's been hurting the fairs this summer, too, was they had a hard time finding work. But you also had people who didn't want to come and work because they were getting governmental assistance. So you had people who said, yeah, I can't come work for you because it, I make more money if I'm I'm staying at home. So that was a very hard thing for our fair industry to to do and then suddenly say, oh, now we need to pay people a higher a higher wage. Um, so you didn't have the same volunteers. Um, so those were struggles, but they all made it happen. Like we joked there were there were fairs at the district meetings that made the comment that said, 
Yep, everybody in our office worked a, a gate at some point to take ticket sales for somebody. Like, everybody went out in the trenches and did something, whether it was garbage or whatever, that they weren't used to doing because it just had to get done and you wanted to make sure that you had something for the fairgoers. So um, they scraped and, and they got where they needed. But we're, we're going to do a survey now to say, well, what are you paying your judges? What are you paying staff? Service clubs didn't come back because they hadn't been out and about. They hadn't been meeting. So those long-term are things that are going to affect the bottom lines of fairs going forward. Well, you make a very good point. Uh, people need to understand those uh, vendors that many county fairs rely on, the rides, uh, even some of the traveling food vendors, your acts. Uh, all of that was put at jeopardy in 2020. Have you heard of any major adjustments in that industry, Jamie? Any uh, family sales, any buyouts, any mergers, anything like that? Um, so we've had a couple of our carnival industries that said, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna retire. It's a it's our time. Um, we did lose a, a couple different family amusement um, type of shows, but again, they were close to retirement, so they said, yep, this is just our writing on a wall to do it. Um, however, you looked at the carnival industry this year, and you know, people again came out in droves. They had record record years as well, but they had a hard time finding employees to work. So you know, there there was that issue as well. And then from a food vendor standpoint, they had issues. Supplies. One of the things that we noticed was um, people were down their commercial vendors. And it was, well, yeah, well, we went to the early fairs, but we used up all of our product and we didn't have any more product to sell. So we had that chain reaction as well. So that was seen throughout the fair uh, season. Interesting. Very interesting. Jamie Butkey's along with us. She is the executive secretary and treasurer of the Wisconsin Fairs Association. So let's go back a bit, Jamie, because during the pandemic, there were a lot of different federal funds that were set up, assistance and so forth. And uh, I'm wondering, how did our county fairs, maybe those that tried to do something or those that needed to do something, how did they tap into those resources? Were the resources there? Explain for the audience some of the challenges that our Wisconsin fairs faced just trying to get access to some of that funding. Yeah, we as a fair industry are a pretty unique industry, and half of our fairs are county-run, half are their own egg society, so that sets up a different precedent uh, as well. But no, 70, no one of the 75, 74 fairs are the same. Like everyone has a little different caveat. Maybe the city owns the grounds or there's, there's so many different uh, ways that can be managed. So it, we weren't like a clear cut, this is how fairs fit. And what happened was is the CARES Act came out and we would have fairs that applied. And we found that the fairs were being denied. They didn't fit it. They didn't, they didn't fit. We were either a live venue, but we didn't make, we didn't have enough money that we spent on a show, or it wasn't a big enough percentage of what our fair was. And we kept asking and saying, we don't fit this grant, or we applied and they would deny us. Um, and we're sitting here, what, how does that work? And then we'd have fairs that filled out PPA grants, and they got them, but if when they filled them out, they were mostly county fairs, and then that money went back into the county coffer that happened for them, and some of those fairs haven't even seen those PPA, those PP funds because the county manages it, manages it. So we keep running into these hurdles. First, we didn't fit anything. Then we did fit. Well, then it, it, it didn't come directly back to the fair. And then we circle that to, like, now where, you know, we tried to play nice in the corn box, we like to say, because so many fairs have those for kids to play. And we said we tried to follow... The, the rules of of how it was supposed to be done. We contacted our legislators, but we weren't overly pushy, but they kept telling us something will come for you. Yep, we'll we'll find the right, you know, thing for you. We understand that you got missed. Here's a whole slew of nonprofits that got missed. And 
we kept pushing, but in the same token, we'd watch a festival um, that didn't have any agriculture education, and they were getting money a first, a second, sometimes even a third time, and we as a fair didn't get it, and we just didn't understand that. So fast forward to this year, um, we are now right now in the process of uh, there's a live venue grant that now fits us, um, but it took a lot of work in order to just find a grant that would, would fit our uniqueness. But in doing so, it only fits half of our fairs. It only fits the fairs that are privately owned, um, that own their grounds. It doesn't fit the county fairs. So we had to like, hey, we're trying to find a way to find funding for you. But guess what? If you're county owned, you're not eligible. And I'll circle back to that in a minute. But by the, this grant that's out there, it's a simple grant for them to complete. The most any one fair can receive is $200,000. But based, it'll all be based on how many you know submit. Um, their 2019 and their 2020 uh, income tax and so forth. But we're trying to find some funding for those fares. Um, but then after that, we have to go back to the counties. And any fair that's county run, we have to go back and say, okay, help us. We were the site for the vaccination drive-through. We were the site, you know, to help anytime there's an emergency, use the fairgrounds. But don't forget about us now. And now there's ARPA funds that are out there that counties have that, you know, part of it has to do with tourism, part of it has to do with how you can improve your grounds long term. So we have one fair, they're getting a new PA system because their emergency government used their fairgrounds and they realized they had a crappy PA system. So they're getting an upgrade at their fairgrounds through ARPA funds. And ARPA funds don't have to be completely used until 2023, so they've got some time to figure that out. This is where our fairs, this is where the community needs to go and say, Fairs are important. It's an important event. It brings in tourism. It brings people, you know, to our cities. You need to now be going to your county to say, are you taking care of the fair? Are you making sure that the fair is here for the long term? How are you helping them? Because it's great in some counties, and we've got some other counties that they're just not given the love. Yeah, if the fair doesn't happen, it's not a big deal. That's not right. She does not lack passion, that is for sure. Jamie Butke, Executive Secretary and Treasurer of the Wisconsin Fair Association. Like I said, they're gathering together to get a policy update and also get a performance update on how 2021 went for all of our county fairs. The fair convention begins at the Chula Vista in Wisconsin Dells Sunday and concludes really kind of Wednesday evening when they announce the fairs to the fairs, but they'll also be wrapping up business on Thursday. And I want you to know that there will be a big announcement at the Wisconsin Fair Convention involving us here at the Midwest Farm Report and your fair stories. If you're going to be in the audience, you'll find out about it at the convention. If not, you can tune in next week and we'll bring you all the details. Remember, for more food news anytime, day or night, pop on over to MidwestFarmReport.com. That's our website. You can re-listen to any of our programs as well as special interviews that the staff has done at MidwestFarmReport.com. And, of course, we invite you to sign up for our daily e-newsletter so you don't miss a thing. All of that through MidwestFarmReport.com. Stay warm, folks.